God, we just thank you for who you are and how you love us. And Lord, sometimes it's hard for us to accept the fact that you love us, the fact that you care for us so deeply. And we don't feel deserving of that love. And we look at the things in our life that are displeasing to you, the things we've done wrong, the things that bring guilt and shame and all those things. And like Connie said, you just want to rescue us from those things. So Lord Jesus, I just pray that today we would listen to your word. We'd listen to your love and your grace and your mercy that is so available to us, that it's right there, just within, within reach. Lord, I pray that today you'd open our eyes and let us see that. God, I pray that you just show us how much you love us. Show us that through your word and open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been in a series called Jesus. Um, I know that shocks everybody that uh, Keith came up with such a very unique name for our sermon series, so that's pretty cool. Now, I think that it's important, right? So we, we talk about getting back to basics all the time. It's, anytime you got a football team, what's the new coach say that we're going to do when he comes in? He said, oh, we're going to get back to basics. We're going to learn the basics. If we learn the basics, then we'll be able to do more. If we just get down to the basics, then we'll be able to expand upon that, but we got to relearn the basics. And sometimes, especially when people profess Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they say, I'm surrendering everything to him, they need to get back to the basics, need to understand who it is they're surrendering to. So that's the reason Keith went down this path of let's talk about Jesus and who he is and what did he say and the things that he taught and the way that he behaved, right? Well, one of the things that Keith told us last week is that in order to be like Jesus, and, and that's what a Christian is, somebody that is aspiring to be a disciple of Jesus, somebody that's aspiring to do the things that Jesus did. Now, obviously, we're not perfect. We're not going to be Jesus, but he is our standard. He's the one that we hold ourselves in comparison to. And, and, and as we aspire to do the things that Jesus did, one of the things that he said that is key is that you got to love. In order to be able to be like Jesus, you got to love like Jesus loved, right? And we talked about that last week. And Jesus loved so much, he even loved to death. When I say that, everybody's like, you're familiar with that term, love to death. But Jesus literally loved to death. He loved all of humanity to the point where he actually died for all of humanity in order that we might be rescued from ourselves, right? So Jesus did that for us. And, and we look at love and we say, man, that is a radical picture of love. It's hard for us to do as we are Christians and we try to work this out. What does it mean to love Jesus? I mean, like he says things about loving our enemies. And we're like, man, that is so hard. How am I going to do that? It's a very difficult thing for me to do. Well, let me tell you a little story about myself because I, I like to stand up here and profess sin to all of you guys so you know that I'm just like the rest of you. Um, I, I struggle with, man, how do I love, especially loving my enemies, loving people that I really, deep down inside of me, I want to hate, right? So there was a particular situation, um, you know, mothers uh, sometimes, they, they've taken on this role that used to be a dad role. And that was a very protective nature, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we're going to watch a video in just a minute from Despicable, 3, uh, Despicable Me 3, uh, which I think is, is very pertinent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to watch that clip in just a second. But, but mothers have taken on this mama bear role, and that is actually the name of this clip is Mama Bear um, from Despicable 3. It's, why did I say that? Despicable Me 3. That's hard to say three times real fast. But anyway, so it... They, they've taken on this protective nature that one time, at one time, dads used to have. And, and, and you know, I, I am very protective uh, of Cassidy, right? So, so my daughter, I, I like, and now, I, I mean, more than likely, if somebody goes at Cassidy, Cassidy's going to be the first one to kill him, and then I'll just have to be able to stab their dead body or something like that, right? So, like, that, that's what's going to happen. 
Well, there was this one thing that happened. And I, y'all, I mean, Cassie can tell you, I don't really get angry. I mean, at home, church, whatever. I, angry is not me. I don't really get, I don't get mad. But we were at a basketball game. Cassie knows the story I'm fixing to tell. We were at a basketball game. It was last year, right? Wasn't this last year or the year before? I can't remember. I think it was the year before, right? White Plains High School, right? And, they were, and she got in the game, and she was, she was, get, she was under the goal. She was going for rebounds. I mean, like, I was proud. I was like, yes, you go. She's being aggressive, you know? And there was this girl from White Plains. I, I, you know, it, I don't know what she looked like. You know, all I know is that she, she started throwing elbows, and she elbowed Casty in the mouth. And y'all look, like all the sanctification in my life just rushed out of me, like went out the gym door, like it was just whoosh, you know. And like my face got as red as one of those chairs you're sitting in. I'm talking about like my heart started racing because I saw the look on Cassie's face because Cassie's mouth was busted. She, she started bleeding as a result of her throwing elbows and, and hit Cassie in the face with the elbow. Y'all, listen, when I saw my daughter's face after she got hit in the mouth, I, 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 could, have, I could have ripped the bleachers apart. I mean, I, it was all I could do to contain myself. It was such a wave of blood pressure emotion at that point in time. I had to sit there. I, I, I could not allow myself to get up because if I had gotten up, I think I would have gone down there and just clocked like a 15-year-old right in the mouth. You know what I mean? A 15-year-old girl, that probably wouldn't have been good, you know, for old know, preacher man, <laughs> White Plains High School right down the road. Brother Kenny's up there punching little girls in the mouth. It's probably, probably not going to go over well for Simple Church. There might be a meeting or two about that, you know, it shows up in the newspapers. But still, so, like, y'all, I just had to sit there because I had beads of sweat pop out on my forehead. And I, I, was, I wasn't angry, y'all. I was infuriated. But I, 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 I controlled myself. I controlled my temper. I sat there. I had to sit. Kasha was, I finally came over there. Kasha was like, go get her some ice. She needs some ice. Okay, I got that. I can, I can take care of her. I got that. But like all of the, everything inside of me wanted to tear a young girl apart for hitting my daughter in the mouth like that. And, and, and some of you mamas, you know what I'm talking about. And some of you daddies know what I'm talking about. Something happens. One of your kids... You just you just want you want to take somebody out, am I right? So if if I was if I was to say what what is the part that probably needs needs working me the most to be most like Jesus, you probably don't need to mess with my kid, and I, I probably need to be able to to deal with that a little bit better myself. But you know what that teaches me? It teaches me a little bit about God and how He loves His Son and how He sacrificed His Son for all of us. And that wave of emotion, I think about that man. I'm like. I'm like, that's how I feel. And my heavenly father felt that way about his son. And these people were beating him and, and, and tearing him apart literally for me. And, and it just overwhelmed me kind of when I thought about that after I'd calmed down and my blood pressure got down about 120 points. You know, I finally kind of let that sink in a little bit and tried to use that as a learning experience for me. But I'm going to show you a clip from Despicable Me 3 um, where, uh, where Mama Bear comes out a little bit. You guys can appreciate this.
So yeah, some of y'all have maybe experienced that personally. I don't know, but uh, yeah, mama bear can be kind of fierce. But the only thing you guys will probably take away from this sermon today is that unicorns are real. So I'm prepared to accept that. Sorry, I've got something going on in my sinuses, so I'm struggling a little bit. Today we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 5. I want you to understand, understand something about Matthew chapter 5. First of all, it's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached because it was preached by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 5, we get a glimpse of the things that Jesus says. And he starts out by telling everybody, he's like, you know, you think, because you, you have to think, think about where Jesus was. So he's around a bunch of Jewish people. And the Jewish people were really hung up on their laws, like the Mosaic laws. And they were like, man, if we just do these things and, and, and externally we keep these rules together, then we're going to be good That is going to make us righteous in the sight of God. It doesn't matter necessarily what we feel on the inside. What matters is, do we keep the rules? Are we we going by the rules, right? And so Jesus turns everything upside down when he starts talking to them. He he goes, he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like like people that are truly righteous are those that are mourning and weeping over their their heart condition that they have. They're they're the people that that feel like, man, they're hungry and thirsty and, and, and they're just... They're, they're just in shambles because of the condition of their heart. That's what real righteousness is all about. That's what it really means to be right with God is to be broken over your condition and to be dependent on God for you to be something else. And he's telling them this. And, and he's, like, he's like, see, you thought that, 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 that there was, it was okay so long as you didn't commit adultery. And he goes, but no, you don't understand. See, uh, because your eyes have looked on another person with lustful thoughts, then therefore you have committed adultery, that it has to do with the heart. And they're like, but I thought it was all about the external, what you did externally. I thought that's what mattered the most. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. You've, you're missing the point of what God has laid out there for us. And, and he also goes on and says, he, he teaches about divorce. And he says, he says, you guys thought that it was, it was just about doing the paperwork, that you had to do the right paperwork in order for a divorce to happen. He said, you've got to understand that God's heart is that, except for extenuating circumstances, it, God doesn't want divorce to happen. He talks about anger, and he talks about the fact that if you have anger in your heart towards somebody, that you might as well go ahead and commit murder because of the same thing to God. You see, they were all hung up on the laws. They were very hung up on you know, the, the way that they thought that they were supposed to do things externally. And Jesus comes in and he rocks the boat a little bit. He says, he says these laws were given, yes, and they're important, yes, but you've got to understand the context. You've got to understand the context. And that is what so many people miss about God's word. As a matter of fact, I was reading about Donald Trump. They were asking Donald Trump. I, I think this is when he was running for his, his presidency. His, he was a candidate and all that. And they asked him, what is your favorite Bible verse? <laughs> That's a good question for a presidential candidate, in my opinion. Um, and, and so he stumbles around a little bit, and he says, well, I guess, you know, um, and he did this a couple of different times. You would think after they asked him, and he didn't have a really good answer, that he would come up with a, a good Bible verse to be able to answer the question. But he never really did that for some reason. The last time they asked him about it, he just said, well, that's kind of a personal thing. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, whatever. But anyway, so if you say something dumb about the Bible, I will call you out up here. This is not a political statement. This is not me being pro-Donald Trump or against Donald Trump, but he just was dumb, okay? So he said, he said that, uh, I guess my, my thing is an eye for an eye, and that's about the best he could do, you know? I mean, he didn't say Exodus 21, 24. He didn't say that. He just said, I think an eye for an eye, I think that's, 
That's what, uh, that's, that's what I like as a Bible verse. He said, because you know, that's the condition our country's in for now, and, and people are taking away our jobs, and we're getting taxed too much, and all this kind of stuff. So this, that's what he said. Now, you can go read exactly his words. I'm not trying to quote Donald Trump. I'm just saying that he was an idiot when he answered the question, okay? So, and that's, that's fine. I, no political basis for how I feel about him. I'm just saying he was an idiot when he answered that question. Anyway, so... What did he not understand? I mean, because Jesus addresses it in Matthew chapter 5, as a matter of fact. And we're going to talk about what Jesus said about an eye for an eye, as a matter of fact. And most people don't understand the context. They go, well, I know it's in the Old Testament. I know it's, it, that's what it says in the Old Testament. And, and, and so, so let's talk about what does it mean? What does it, does Jesus say, well, okay, so uh, an eye for an eye, yeah, the, that's the way it's supposed to be. Or does he say an eye for an eye is not the way it's supposed to be? What does he say? He says you've got to understand the context you got to understand about what it was written for, what it meant, what we're in today, and what it's supposed to mean to us. Isn't that important? I bet, I bet people in here, if you were to ask them, eye for an eye, they'd be like, yeah, it's in there. I know it's in there somewhere. Probably back towards the beginning of the book. Yeah, it's probably in there somewhere. Did Jesus ever talk about it? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. Well, let's talk about what Jesus said that it meant. Okay? Let's, let's look. You understand that the whole point, the whole thing that, that, Matthew, uh, that uh, Jesus is trying to get across to us in Matthew chapter 5 is that you need God, that you need God. There's certain things that you think you can do. If you try to rely on yourself, you can't do it. If you try to rely on yourself to keep you uh, from, from, from looking at somebody, I mean, just the external, whatever you do is not what matters. What happens is what happens on the inside is what matters. The heart is what matters, and that's what Jesus says. You cannot change the condition of your heart. You have to have a dependency on God. And when we're talking about love, we're talking about how we're supposed to love. You know, what's interesting to me is that a lot of people do what the the Pharisees did back in the Old Testament, and that is they put their faith and their trust on, in, uh, of their salvation on how they behave, the external way that they look, whether or not they sin or not. But they don't ever look and say, do I really love? Do I love with a supernatural kind of love? If you really want to test your heart and say, does Jesus Christ rule and reign in my life? Does the Holy Spirit move me? Is he in my heart? Is he changing me every single day of my life? Then why don't you stop for just a second and look at how you love? Just look at how you love. Because Jesus, he's going to give us some extreme examples here. Some, some standards that can't be held. If you're on your own trying to do it yourself, you're not going to be able to keep these standards. You're not going to be able to do it. Jesus says, you know, you thought it was good enough that you loved your neighbor and hated your enemy. He said, I'm telling you right now, the way that you're supposed to love supernaturally is you're supposed to love even your enemies. When people, when people look at, at themselves and they go, am I a born-again child of God? Am I a Christian? Does the Holy Spirit of God rule and reign in my life? Do they ever just pause for a second and go, how do I love? How do I love? You know, because people, you ask them, say, how do you know you're a Christian? They go, well, I know in my heart. I just know in my heart. God's word says the heart is wickedly evil and deceitful above all things. So you know in your heart. Why don't you look at what comes out of your heart? Why don't you you look and see who rules and reigns your heart and see if there's true love in there or not? It's so funny to me that people... They measure whether or not they're saved based on how they, they sin or don't sin. That's how they measure it. 
But they never, ever stop and take what Jesus said as the most important picture of being a Christ follower, and that is how you love. They never stop to look at that, and that drives me crazy. Well, I don't sin. I must be a Christian. I prayed a prayer. I got baptized. I don't sin so much. I sin every once in a while. It's not that bad. I may cuss every once in a while, whatever. But I go, but how do you love? Do you love people? Do you love people you shouldn't love? Are you doing things that are hard for you to do? And when you don't do it, where do you run? Do you run to yourself and say, well, it's justified. I, you know what? They did something bad to me. Therefore, you know, I have a right to be angry at them. Or do you say, you know what? God, help me to love them. Because that's the picture of Christ. And that's the picture of Christ ruling and reigning in my life. Is when I come to you and beg on my face before you and say, God, show me how to love like you love. Correct me, Holy Spirit, when I don't love like you love. Kind of strange, isn't it? We don't really look at that so much. Jesus says it's the most important thing, how you love your neighbor. That's how they'll know you're my disciple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And we say, well, I love God. I go to church. It must mean I love God. I pray sometimes. I have even read some of God's word. I must love God. It's, it's this ambiguous thing. Do you love God? Everybody's like, yeah. You know, if I don't sin and I do those things, then yeah, I, I pretty much can say that I love God. But how do you love your neighbor? How do you love your neighbor? How do you love the people around you? How do you love the people that are unlovable? Jesus addresses that. Let's look at what he says. You've heard that the law says punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. All right, so what is he talking about? Exodus 21, 24. All right, he says, you've heard that the law says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? I want you to understand something. That those are laws designed for the court. And that's exactly what Jesus points out here. That's exactly what he points out. This is not for personal relationships, That's not what this is for. God gave us laws. He gave us court systems so people could could judge the people, other people, and say, here's the standard by which you should judge them in order to be able to, to deal with them in a court of law. And people take that out of context and they say, well, this must apply to personal relationships. Well, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's like saying, well, so-and-so did something, they stole my car, therefore I can take the law into my own hands and I can lock them up in my basement and I can put them in jail in my basement because it's the law that says that they can go to jail for stealing my car. Well, we don't take personally the responsibility of, of taking the law into our own hands and putting somebody in jail. We don't do that. That's not the way it's intended to be set up here in God's word. Nor are we supposed to, to, to take the law as it's intended for the courts and, and, and us act on it either. Like, for example, Jesus says that you're supposed to get, forgive somebody seven times 70, right? So is that what's supposed to happen? If they steal a car, they go to court, and the, is the court supposed to act like we're supposed to act in personal relationships and go, you know what? You, you, you still got hundreds of times to go before we ever put you in jail for stealing a car. You're good to go. Just go on and have, have your way. No. No. It's taking it out of context. These were intended for the courts and how to deal with it. It says the, 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 the punishment should match the injury. So what he's saying here is if something happens 
and you have to go to a court of law to deal with that, then the punishment shouldn't be extravagant because the, 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 whatever you did was not extravagant. Therefore, if you stole a car, we shouldn't necessarily put you to death in a court of law. That's what the context is. And what's bad is, is that there are preachers that aren't teaching that. There's nobody clearing that up or talking about what the Word of God really says. And it's so sad, y'all. It's so sad that, that, that there, there are preachers out there that just aren't teaching God's Word and teaching what it says and teaching what it really means, and it drives me crazy. So Jesus says, you, you've heard this. You've heard the law, and you're trying to apply it to personal relationships. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. Now, everybody's like, okay, don't resist an evil person. What the heck does that mean? Like, if a person's evil, you're supposed to just lay down and let them run all over you? You're supposed to be a doormat? Is that what that means? You're not supposed to resist them. If they're doing something bad, you're supposed to, okay, man, it's, it's all good. Whatever you want to do. Is that what you're supposed to do? No, that's not what it means. It's not what it means. What it means is this, is if somebody does something bad, you ain't supposed to hold a grudge against them. You're not supposed to to let walls build up between you. You're not supposed to to, to let feuds begin to happen and and you start acting with revenge and all this kind of stuff. That's what he's saying. He He says, you're not supposed to let walls build up between you and the evil person. That's what he's saying. To resist them, to, 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 to back off away from them. No, instead what he says, just like he goes on to say in verse 43, he talks about loving your enemies. He says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now this is tough, all right? Jesus had some hard teachings, right? He says, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, you have to understand something about the context here too, and that is that the most insulting thing that you could do in Jesus' day was to slap somebody across the face. Now, I don't know if it's the most insulting thing you can do today, but it's pretty doggone insulting. You slap me, man, it's going to be everything I can do to turn the other cheek and let you have the next one, right? But Jesus says this is a standard because, listen, if you try to rely on yourself, if you try to rely on your flesh, If you try to rely on your heart as it stands right now and not let God work on your heart and change your heart and mold your heart and shape your heart, he says you're not going to be able to turn the other cheek and let them slap that one also. Is Jesus exaggerating here to make a point? Absolutely. But he's also trying to show that the most important thing, listen to me, the most important thing in how you're to live your life is how you love What is more important, you getting your revenge, you getting back at that person who has slapped you on the cheek, or the most important thing being that you love the way Jesus loved? What's the most important thing? And you have to take it not just from a worldly perspective, you have to take it to an eternal perspective and see how God sees that other person. You have to see how God is looking at that other person as as somebody that needs to be rescued just like all of us need to be rescued. Does that mean you're supposed to be a doormat? You're supposed to be walked over? No, 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 no. What what it means is the most important thing is that you love. Is that you love. That you leave room for revenge. You leave that to God. He says that revenge belongs to him. 
He, he said, God's word says that, that, that you leave it alone because revenge belongs to him. And you're supposed to do what with it? Take it to him. Take it to him, right? Here's, here's, a, here's a shell shocker for you. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a born-again child of God. I am a Christ follower. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then when you have those things in your life where you hate somebody instead of loving them, do you take them to God? Or do you just resist that person? Well, that's a tough mirror to look into, isn't it? That's real, real tough to look into. I'm a Christian, man. I go to church. I went to youth camp. I love Jesus because I prayed twice today. How do you love? How do you love? And when you don't love, do you take it to God? Say, God, I'm not loving like I'm supposed to. I can remember one time in particular for me when I had to desperately repent. And that was that uh, it, it, was, it was about our very first trip to Haiti, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was back at the other church. And um, I was, I had been pushing people and pushing. One of my biggest things is deadlines. You know how I am. If we're leaving at 7, you're standing there at 701, you're wondering where everybody went. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm big on deadlines. Well, I, I'm, we've got a trip to Haiti. We've got... We've got to turn in money. We've got to, to schedule people to come to talk to us about the trip. We've got all these kinds of things. And, like, I am a deadline freak. And I'm like, if you want to go to Haiti, you have to have X number of dollars turned in by this date. You have to. Because what happens? If I make exceptions this time, people expect that I'll make exceptions the next time, right? And then that will feed on itself. And then before you know it, you got 12 people wanting to be the exception instead of the rule. But the Lord chastised me one time when I said... I had somebody come up to me said, I didn't turn in my money on Sunday like I was supposed to. I really want to go to Haiti, and can I turn my money in now? Now, knowing full well that the money really didn't have to be turned in for another two days, I was so frustrated because the deadline had been missed. I was, I was angry, literally angry in my heart. And I, I, I had to pause for a minute composed myself and I said you know when the deadline was you know that you were supposed to turn it in on this day and you didn't do it and I said and yes you can go to Haiti and yes I'll take your money now but because of how I felt in my heart even though externally I had said it was okay and yes you could turn your money in now what I had felt in my heart, I knew it wasn't right. And the, the Holy Spirit of God wretched my heart. And I had to go and get alone immediately. I did not walk, but I ran to this back room where I got on my face and cried and begged God to forgive me for feeling that in my heart. Now, I'm not sitting up here trying to tell you that I do that every single time. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not pious like that to say that, man, I'm this super Christian who knows how to do everything. All I'm telling you is the Holy Spirit of God... It gets a hold of my heart and shows me that what you're feeling in your heart is not okay regardless of what you've done on the outside. And I had to run to take that to him and say, God, please forgive me. Because no matter, even though on the outside I looked like Christ, on the inside I did not. So what, a, what about your heart? What, what about your situations when it comes to loving? Is it Christ-like? 
Is it to the point where you're willing to go to the point of death for somebody else? Is, is, that, the, is that the measure by which you're looking at how you love? Or are you looking and say, well, I really wasn't, I didn't lash out at them. I didn't scream at them today. I didn't throw anything at them, so I must be doing pretty good. I must be a Christian. That's not the standard that Jesus kind of points to. What else does he say? He says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. So he says, this, the implication here is that, that you've done something wrong and you have hurt somebody. And the court has ruled that you're supposed to give up your shirt. Now, the indication here is that, that you're basically poor. You're out of everything. So the only thing they have left to take is your shirt. And Jesus says, if it's to that point and you have wronged somebody, you know what the most important thing for you to do to that person is to go the extra mile and show them that you love them enough that you're going to give them your outside coat too. The thing that you use to lay down and sleep on at night, you're supposed to give that to them too. And the Jewish people would have been in an uproar when Jesus said this. They said, so we're supposed to walk around naked? And Jesus says, the most important thing is not how you look on the outside, but it's how you love. Will you go the extra mile to show them that you love them, to show them that you've wronged them, and now you want to make amends? Therefore, you're willing to not only give them your shirt, but give them your coat also. Well, that's an extremely high bar to set, isn't it? What else does Jesus say? He says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, this may sound weird to you. Why would a soldier be asking anybody to carry stuff? Well, the way that it worked in those days, you know, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Romans. So the Romans, what they would do sometimes is they had like, kind of like a postal service set up where they, you know, from town to town, you would actually have these little places where you could deliver goods. They could be taken from this place to the next. And, and the Romans set it up such that their gear sometimes would be done the same way. And a Roman soldier could come up to you as a Jewish citizen and say, here, I need you to carry my stuff to the next town. Now, it didn't matter if that was out of your way or not. It didn't matter if you were going the complete opposite direction. You were supposed to do it. Now, if you think about how that must have made a Jewish person feel, this would have been somebody that they hated. Those weapons, that gear that the Roman soldiers were were asking you to carry around would have been the same gear and the same weapons that they were using to oppress your people, to keep your people under Roman rule. And you would have to carry their junk a mile? Somebody that you hated, somebody that you despised, somebody that you wanted to have nothing to do with, you're going the complete opposite direction, and he tells you to take his stuff somewhere else. And Jesus says, if he asks you to do that, you don't just take it one mile to the next town. You take it two miles to the next town beyond that. That's how much you're supposed to love. Somebody like a Roman soldier that would be hated and despised by all the Jewish people not just one mile, but two miles. Say, no, I know that the law says that I only have to carry it one mile, but because I love with a supernatural kind of love, I'm going to carry it two miles, and you're going to see that love displayed in me because I have Jesus Christ that rules and reigns my heart. Give to those who ask. Don't. Turn away from those who want to borrow. Some people say, well, 
what about the dude on the corner down there between Chick-fil-A and Walmart? Am I supposed to, he asked, so am I supposed to give? Picture here is helping somebody. 